Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz off tonight, psychic medium Stephanie Burke off tonight. It is just the two of us, Matt. It is old school. It is the same way that it used to be and way li- back in... And live stream only. And live stream... Well, the live stream only is relatively new, but the just the two of us right. goes all the way back to... January 26th, 2006. I always forget the date. I, I know it's like around 2006. Well, I, I just remember because it is... Uh, Wasn't it supposed to be the first of that year or something? I forget what what it was supposed to be. It was it was uh, October or November of 2005 when we actually were told that we could do the show. Right. But then we took a couple of months to kind of get ready and to plan things out. That's when we used to actually book the show months in advance mm-hmm. instead of um, a couple what, of hours before we went into the studio. I feel like there was another factor that kind of uh, put a delay, put a kink in the cog. Well, I mean, I know that we were still... Was there like uh, Celtics or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. I maybe, think there was. Maybe. I, I think we were at Celtics or Bruins. We ran on the station at that time. But uh, just getting ready, too. I mean, you were coming into the locker room and learning how All to right. run the board during the locker room and I was not learning how to run the board. I found that out on the fly from you. You taught me. So, but you had to come in and learn first. But anyway. Which is, which is why you're, we still have problems to this day. <laughs> right. And uh, that's why we're a little bit late starting tonight because I didn't have everything set up and ready. But that's that's because I was eating and talking instead of uh, getting ready for the you show. You need your energy. I didn't want to eat on the show. That would just be gross. And unprofessional. It would be very unprofessional, right. especially to eat spaghetti on the show, because that's what I was eating. Right. I don't know what uh, Town Square Media's spaghetti policy is, but... Yeah, I think... Uh, I don't think it's... Uh, no, you you can't eat it over the board. I, th- I think that would be frowned upon. I think they would get upset if I was getting marinara sauce in all the equipment. But uh, we are here to talk about the paranormal. Of course, we have to talk about food a little bit as well, but we will be talking about the paranormal tonight with our guest, Peter Haviland, who will be joining us in a little while. And uh, he is a parapsychologist, a hypnotherapist, a paranormal researcher, and uh, he's a very interesting guy. We're going to have a lot to talk about with him, but we'll also take your questions and comments for him as well at 508-996-0500 or 877-996-1420. You can join us in the chat room on Spooky South Coast's live streaming video, which normally this is where I'd promote to people on the radio that if you want to watch the show and, and chat with the show while we while we're on the radio. You can do that on our YouTube channel, but tonight we are YouTube only because the Red Sox are still going on. I thought it was an afternoon game or an early evening game, but I'm assuming that there must have been something to do with the rain earlier and things might have gotten held up. I didn't really pay attention today. I was uh I was in full getting ready to be DME mode. Watching all kinds of interesting videos and saying all these years that I thought there was an easier way to do what we were doing with Spooky South Coast, it turns out there is. Did you know that you can actually make your own podcast, Matt? I know that you oh, know. really? Yeah. Hmm. But uh, I saw some, some instructions on how to do that. Don't worry, we're not going to change the Spooky South Coast podcast because A, it's been going that way for so long, and B, we are way too lazy. So you don't have to worry about any changes with that. Right. If it but ain't broke or kind of broke. It, it was kind of broke, though. We were getting a lot of complaints from people yeah. that they were having issues getting the latest episodes, but you, you think that you fixed that for the most part. 
I think so. Um, if anyone does have any problems, feel free to uh, message us, uh, spooky crew at spookysouthcoast.com. Um, if anything, uh, email us and just uh, tell us what service you use, and then we'll kind of maybe focus more on that. Yeah, we were getting some some complaints from people saying, oh, I can't get the podcast, and you know, we need a little bit more information about that. We need to know how you're getting it. And maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea for everybody out there that's listening, and I, I know this is you know, tens of thousands of people every day that download this show, so we're probably asking for it. Uh, but if you want to reach out to us and email us, uh, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com, or even just email me directly, tim at spookysouthcoast.com, and let us know how you listen to the show. So that we can see, you know, what different ways and what different channels are working. Because we can't check every, we send this out through a podcast service that sends it out to every podcast service that's out there. So we can't track down every different way that you get the feed. Right. We can make sure that the feed itself is good, but we can't make sure that that feed is working correctly across all those sites unless you tell us which ones are giving you an issue. So. Right. Remember, remember when uh, someone said they they were listening to us on Podcast Pickle and we were like, what's Podcast Pickle? Right. And then we go on there and we find out like yeah. we're pretty popular on Podcast Pickle, which yeah. I don't know if that still exists anymore. I don't know, but it was. It was a thing. But yeah, we were pretty excited the first time we saw ourselves like on iTunes. Yeah. Like, oh, we made it! Which pretty much every podcast makes it on iTunes. As long as you don't suck. Like, as long as there's more than 30 seconds worth of content, they usually approve you. But I, I don't even have iTunes on my computer anymore, so I haven't even read the reviews. But we used to we used to get some pretty interesting reviews on iTunes. Did we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to go back to that at some point. Uh, I guess I could download it onto my computer again just to check it out. I know there was a couple things that I was going to look into, and if... People do use those this, those services. Maybe I will. Um, one was Spotify. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many listeners. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of listeners on Spotify, but I think it's pretty exclusive for right. How many um, people are listening to our podcast right, on Spotify? Right, but it might be worth sending a few emails to. And another service is um, um, how many people use Plex? I know Plex is a big um, uh, like it's a it's a it's a server. Um, Service that you can have for your home, but it also has like live TV and, oh, and oh, things like oh, that. Oh, that Plex. Oh, oh yeah. No, I didn't. I'm like Plex. I don't think I've heard of that. But yeah, no, that mm-hmm. Plex. Yeah, I know what you're talking uh, about. But they, they just. I think within the last couple, um, maybe the last couple of months, they started introducing podcasts. Can we get on Title, the one that Jay Z and Beyonce own? So that like next time they drop a surprise album like they did last I weekend, I thought they went under. Or was that Milk? No, no, title's still around. Is it? Yeah, no, milk, milk's done. Milk, oh. milk got absorbed back into slacker. Uh, but, um, I loved milk. Milk was awesome. But, uh, no, title, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce dropped that surprise album. So everybody was going into title. So if we got on there, then maybe we would have got, gotten a lot of, yeah, you know, like, in, uh, incidental traffic. Like that time that we got like 250,000 downloads in a day. We we're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Like, why are we so popular? Did did somebody, did Moniz kill the president or something? Like, what's going on? And uh, as it turns out, it was because we got featured on the front page of iTunes. Did I just did I just get our show flagged by the Secret Service? Maybe. Yeah. I think I did. Yeah. If it wasn't before, it definitely is now. But uh, don't worry. Moniz, Moniz is harmless. He sounds way more dangerous than he really is. <laughs> He's also kind of lazy. So... They don't have anything to worry about. No, no. He's Zombies all, he's now. All, he's all talk. If the zombie apocalypse comes, you know, he'll pick them off one by one. 
But uh, right, I'm going over his house, and yeah. it's not just because I live next door. Right, he doesn't. He doesn't have. Uh, I don't think he has strong enough convictions that you have to worry about him. I think he's pretty pretty passive guy on a lot of things. But uh, anyway, so yeah, that's why we got that huge explosion was because we were featured on iTunes. But now we're gonna get numbers like we never got before because did you see the big news this week, Matt? I did not know. So you know that we're on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Dark Matter Digital Network. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think I've, I did hear about this. So that is a way that a lot of people listen to the show. A lot of people enjoy the show uh, on Dark Matter. They rebroadcast us, uh, I believe, on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. uh, 7.30 Eastern, so 4.30 Pacific time. Which, by the way, not to, not to complain, Keith. I know that you've been getting a lot of slings and arrows over the last couple of months. But pretty much the standard accepted time scheduled to post is Eastern time. I'm not just trying to use my East Coast snobbishness to tell you that you should make everything Eastern time because I'm from the East Coast, but usually that's what people list times as. Mm -hmm. So it always screws me up when I'm trying to listen to shows on Dark Matter. I'm like, I got to check that show out. And then it's like, no, I can't. I'm three hours early or three hours late. (laughs) However it works out. But anyway... So uh, we we air on Dark Matter, but now we're joining a new online network, and I'm very excited about this one. I heard big things about this. We will be on kingdomofnighradio.com, the spookacy. That's what we are, because kingdomofnighradio.com is the real legacy. Right. We are the spookacy. Bart L. has allowed us to join his mega network, which, by the way, if you have not been listening to... You really need to go check it out because I don't know what he's doing, but the sound is incredible. He's playing a lot of music, mm-hmm. a lot of original Art Bell bumper music, and the sound is just amazing. Even on my crappy computer speakers in the newsroom, I was listening the other night as I was finishing up my stories. Amazing. So I can only imagine how great we'll sound when we are on. Kingdomofnightradio.com. Yeah. And I think I think I just earned some Bart coins for us, too. <laughs> so that'll be good. Uh, I just want to let everybody know really quickly, uh, and, and a little bit of an apology, too, before we get into it with our guest tonight, that uh, I know I said we were going to be on the air last week, and then we had that spot decision not to broadcast the show. That was because uh, I was at the... Middleborough Paracon during the day. And my assumption was because we had, uh, well, I had a, a paranormal event the night before at the Smith Harris house in Niantic, Connecticut that ended at 1 a.m. And then I had a two hour ride home. So I knew I wasn't even going to be having the possibility of climbing into bed till at least 3 a.m. And then I had to be at the Middleborough Paracon by 10 a.m. So my thought and feeling was if they ask me to help out with the ghost hunt for the Middleborough Paracon, there's no way I'm going to have the energy to be able to do it because I'm just going to be dragging ass by that point. And almost going into do spooky South coast will be more relaxing because when you're on a paranormal investigation, you're expending a lot of energy and we can argue about whether or not, you know, ghosts are there and drawing from your energy, which is a possibility. But even beyond that, you're going to just be drained because you're running up and down stairs, 
carrying a lot of equipment around. It was hot and muggy that day, so that's going to zap out some of your energy. So I just figured by the time you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock rolled around and the day part of the Paracon was over, I would be wiped out. I would go home, take a couple hours nap, come in and do Spooky South Coast, go home, go to bed again. But when they asked, they said, hey, we're doing an, a, a ghost hunt at the Oliver House. After this, do you want to take part? I just, I can't say no. I can't say no to the Oliver House because it's that amazing. First of all, just from a historical perspective, being able to, to walk through the same home that Ben Franklin stayed in, to put your hand on the closet door and open the same closet that Ben Franklin found the letters from the Oliver family to the British monarchy, basically spying on the on the revolution and and giving away all the secrets to the British crown. To be able to be in that house at any given time is amazing enough. But the fact that every time I go there, the paranormal stuff just goes insane. And I told the story before on the air about the last time I was there, the picture that lifted itself up off the wall and came smashing down at the end of the night after the uh, the event was over and it was just the the staff of the house and myself hanging around talking in one room and the other room this picture just comes smashing down and and the way that the picture was hung up it had only been hung up earlier that day the nail was at a 45 degree angle pointing up going coming out of the wall and then the picture itself had one of those sawtooth brackets that was clamped onto that nail so it had to get up and over the nail head and be pushed up anyway. Long story short, something had to f- go underneath that photo and flip it to get it off. So that alone was pretty intense. But this this last Saturday, we were in the basement. And the basement of the Oliver House has an area that was part of the Underground Railroad. There's a little hidden area there where, uh, where they would hide people. And then there's another smaller area in the basement that's a hiding spot as well. Every time we go into that basement, weird things happen. But we had something like 30 people running around this house, which isn't too many people, but it's a lot of people. So I said to some folks, I said, why don't we go down to the basement away from everybody else and just go sit there and shut off all of our devices. And and people always, you know, are excited when they go on a ghost hunt because they just spent $200 on the latest piece of tech uh, they have this, uh, you know, this new app that they want to try. Whatever it is, they've they've always got all this gear that they want to show up and use. And then here's me saying, "Well, we're going to go sit in the basement in the dark for 20 minutes and not turn anything on," because I think it's important to attune yourself to your surroundings. And also, like Jeff Belanger always says, you know, you could have every piece of ghost gear in your hand, looking at it, and nothing's coming up on it, but there could be a ghost standing right in front of your face, and you wouldn't know it because. You're too busy looking down at your devices in your hands. So I just want everybody to kind of tune themselves into the energy, the spirit, no pun intended, of the house. And also that's a chance to kind of see, okay, I know every 10 minutes, you know, the heat's going to come on or, you know, we're going to hear the the battery backup for the cable connection is going to beep or whatever it might be that's part of a, a house that you have to kind of tune yourself into. So we're all down there in the dark. And without fail, this happens every time I go to this house, you get shadow people activity happening in that basement. And Matt, I know 
a lot of people that have never experienced shadow people are convinced that it's in people's heads or it's their eyes not adjusting correctly to the dark or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. And I can I can see that. I can understand that when it's you're staring across a dark room and you're seeing shadows moving. It's easy for your eyes to play tricks on you. But what about when you can see and feel a three-dimensional shadow mass walking between you and the person standing right next to you? I mean, that's pretty interesting. It's, it's, it's a lot. I mean, it would basically be the only way that I could explain it would be mm-hmm. for a person to actually walk between us but then have to disappear. I mean, when you uh, when you think about paranormal activity, like the the first thing you think of is what did you see? What did someone else see? What did they see? Uh, but I mean, you have um, I don't know how many senses. Like it's more than five senses now. I think don't don't they say there's more than five? But uh, you have a bunch of other senses that you could use for paranormal to to. Uh, kind of pick up on your surroundings. So, like, the fact that you see something and that's just dismissed. Yeah, know. it's... This This is pretty intense when this happens. I mean, and you can tell when somebody is there, when there's when there's a physical presence there. And then it disappears. It, it actually freaked one girl out. She had to run out screaming because uh, it we something actually made a noise in the other part of the basement came kind of running by her, touched her, like kind of forced its way like past her, and then ran toward the staircase and just disappeared into the staircase. Hmm. Then at another point, so, you know, as I said, there's a lot of people walking around in the upstairs part of the house. We had probably maybe a dozen people downstairs, probably a little less, maybe about nine or ten. And what would end up happening inevitably is people would want to know what was going down in the basement, so they would open the door to the basement and they would start walking down the stairs with a flashlight. And we would yell to people, you know, are you, if you're not coming downstairs, can you turn off the light? Because every time somebody would turn on the staircase light or shine a flashlight down the stairs, that means your eyes have to take another couple of minutes to adjust to the darkness for us right. to continue doing what we're doing. So every time the door would open or a light would shine, we would yell, can you, you know, up or down, close the door. And at one point, the light started coming down the stairs like somebody had a flashlight. Mm-hmm. And we saw the legs of the person come down the stairs and then they were gone. Wow. Yeah. And I don't, I don't exaggerate when it comes to paranormal stuff because I don't need to, I've had enough stuff happen that I don't need to exaggerate, but I saw disembodied legs Mm -hmm. walk down the staircase and then disappear. I've heard um, some people when they describe uh, shadow, shadow figure um, or shadow people encounters, where when they fl- shine a flashlight into it, um, it's almost devoid of light. It's just a black mass. It doesn't go through it. It's just... Is that... Um, uh, did that happen? Is that accurate? Yeah, it's... it's it's that's You could... I've, I've actually done that. We had it happen at the Fearing Tavern like last the, year. The light just disappears through into it, not we, through it. It, ab- it absorbs that light. Right. And, and it's like... It's like throwing, you know, something small down a huge dark hallway. It's just gone. And that's what happened at the Fearing Tavern last year when we were not entirely sure that it was a shadow person we were seeing and maybe somebody else's shadow. 
But that was what kind of tipped us off that we were dealing with something that had mass is that when we shine the light on it, it just, mm-hmm. instead of disappearing, because if you shine a light on a shadow, it should wash out the shadow. Right. And this did not do that. This stayed a three-dimensional solid figure and the light was just gone. Uh, but we didn't we didn't try that in the Oliver house last weekend because we j- we kept all the lights off. So maybe we're wrong calling them shadow people. Maybe we should call them, I don't know. Yeah, because it's, it's you're right. It's not a shadow. It's 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 almost like it's antimatter. Mm. And the and then the other thing that was happening in the basement was that we were getting these mysterious bars of light that were showing up out of nowhere. And when I say a bar of light, it's like. So, you know, like, let's just say everybody has like a, a, most people have a fluorescent light over their kitchen sink. Right. You know, that, that little short, like whatever it is, like, you know, foot long fluorescent bulb. I don't know where you get them, but they're in every home. Oh, I know where you get them. You have to get them at Walmart or Home Depot or whatever. I never, I never see like that, that, the kitchen light aisle. They're there. I know that because I've had to replace mine like three times now because you cannot not have that light. Some nights that's the only light you have on in your entire house. So anyway, and I remember the last time I got one, I was on my motorcycle and I was trying to drive home with a light bulb sticking out of one of my saddlebags. That was not fun. But uh, anyway, because like you can only go so fast. If you go too, too fast, you're going to lose a light bulb. So uh, anyway, the it was like one of those lights, but was vertical instead of horizontal. Hmm. Floating, free floating in the middle of the basement. Maybe about six inches to a foot off the floor, maybe a little higher. It's hard to judge in the dark, but just floating. And it was like all of a sudden it would just be there and it would move a couple of feet and then it would disappear. And it was, it was that wide and that long, just this bar of light. It happened three times while we were in the basement. And so later on we went upstairs and we were talking to Christy, who is the, the person who's in charge of the, paranormal stuff that goes on at the Oliver house. Well, in charge of the events and everything, she doesn't, you know, make the ghosts right. show up. Right. But, uh, so we were talking to her about that. She's, she's the one who is always there investigating. And I said, you know, you ever have any weird light things that happen? She's like, Oh yeah, we have this weird bar of light that will show up in different parts of the house just out of nowhere. And I was like, well, that's intriguing. So, hey, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe we'll go back there in the fall for another event. We did, a, we did a fundraiser last year for the Oliver House, mysterious Middleborough. Maybe we'll bring it back this fall because the house is amazing. Mm-hmm. The town hall is active. The Masonic Lodge across from the town hall is active. So it's certainly worth spending the night. And just real quick, uh, a question popped up in the chat room. Asking what I think about Whitley Strieber begging for another $15,000 on top of the $22,000 he already got for his website. Listen, I don't know all that much about websites, but I'm pretty sure that you don't need $15,000 to protect your website. Mm, No. I know that because I work here in the newsroom and we always have the commercials for like LifeLock and all Mm. that stuff. $9.99 a month. We have security on our website. The Legend Trips website has security right. on it. I think I pay 200 bucks a year for that security. So I don't know what kind of security you need 
Listen, I don't want to blast somebody on the show, but uh, there's a reason why we haven't had Whitley Strieber back on. I'm I'm skeptical. Yeah. Very skeptical. His books terrified me as a kid. Communion, to this day, I still cannot look at the cover of that book. But I'm very skeptical. So there, there's, there's that. And like I said, I normally would not uh, blast somebody on the show. Right. And being skeptical is, I mean, you're not totally saying anything negative. What, what I'm saying is just don't send him money. Because I can't imagine that there's a need for $15,000 to protect the website. If somebody told me that I had to have $15,000 to protect SpookySouthCoast.com, I'd be like, well, I guess we don't have a website no. anymore. I mean, if, if the person was um, transparent and they said, like, if I'm providing content and I need 15000 a year to keep everything going and running smoothly with maybe... Right. Well, for, if $15,000 you know, was going into content... Right. So if it was like we're going to hire a videographer to, to you know, produce videos and we're going to have, uh, you know, if, if not everybody is lucky enough to, to do a show out of a radio studio like we are. So if you had to go out and buy some of this equipment or go yeah, out and buy I, cameras stuff, or whatever. Stuff costs money. I understand. But, you know, if you have to pay for music licenses, if you want to run music. But I guess the way around that is don't pay for the music license and just upload it anyway. Because that yeah. seems, seems yeah. that's got to be what's happening. Hey, I wonder if we can start putting music into the show just for kingdomofnighradio.com. Maybe. Bart L. Know. does have the magic license. He does. He does. I think it would screw up our other services, though. Okay. Uh, I, I apologize. I rambled on a little bit, and I didn't uh, get to our guests, so. Alien butt protectors are expensive. <laughs> Is that what? Are you trying to say that that is uh, uh that was somebody in the chat room? All right, uh, Peter, are you with us? Hello. Oh, I'm hearing a little bit of our our feedback there. I don't know if you hello? can. Can you? Hello. Can you hear us, Peter? Hold on. Can you hear me now, Peter? Can you hear me now, Peter? Hello. Matt, I don't know. I get this all set up over here. Come see if I'm doing this wrong. I'm I'm in phone. I have to. Oh, I have to turn this up and on. Now he can hear us. I bet. How you doing? Hello, Peter. Hi, you're on the air. Sorry about that. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, we're getting a uh, we're getting a feedback of ourselves. Um, I don't know if there's a way you can turn that down at all and still be able to hear us. Um, I can try. Hold on. Sure. While you're doing that, I will let everybody know a little bit about you. See, that's what that's what I love about that. Is that better? Uh, I can still hear myself. Okay. Which I love to hear myself, but it just might be distracting for the listeners. <laughs> I understand. I understand. I, I I don't know what else I need to do. I'm on Skype right now, and it only really just gives you a volume up and down. I, I move my volume down a little bit. You, do you uh, do you happen to have a pair of headphones that that might help out? No, sir, I don't. I apologize. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, most of my most of my stuff that I have, my laptop and all that, is in my office. So, I, and I'm not there right now. 
Well, the the folks on uh, that are listening on the chat room are saying they're not hearing the echo, so I can deal with it as long as nobody else is hearing it. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, that, no, that's fine. They're they're all chiming in saying they don't hear it, so it must just be something on our end. That's okay. that's what I love about these uh, web only shows that we do, and not having to be on the radio is we can totally be amateurs about how we connect with the guest. So I, I apologize for our amateurish amateurishness. Hey, it's there. not a problem at all. All right, let me let me let everybody know about you. Uh, Peter Haviland is a is Lone Star Spirits lead investigator. He's the president and is an advanced certified clinical hypnotherapist. He has had success with clients in haunting cases and removing fears, anxieties, and psychological triggers that have caused either possible poltergeist activity or hypersensitivity due to subconscious triggering mechanisms. Peter is co-founding member of the Paranormal Research Organization with Lloyd Auerbach, an investigator with the Office of Paranormal Investigations, American Ghost Society representative for Northwest Texas, and owner of the Supernatural Radio Network. Work. Peter has over 25 years of field experience in the paranormal and is a founding member of LSSPI, and he is joining us now on Spooky South Coast. Uh, good evening, Peter. Again, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, we're, we're glad to talk with you, uh, especially with, uh, with, with credentials like that. There's a lot of places that we can go with this conversation. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about some of these uh, triggering mechanisms and some of this other stuff as well, but... I, I want to say, too, that uh, we've been doing the show for a long time, and uh, one of the early guests that we tried to get on the show, even in the very, very early days, was uh, Lloyd Auerbach. And I think we've, we've had him on once, Matt, I believe, right? And here it is, you know, t- uh, 12 years later that we started the show. I still don't think the guy's had a Saturday night off since then. <laughs> yeah, he's a busy guy. If he's not if he's not uh, doing his normal everyday job, uh, he's either lecturing or uh, traveling or doing something. Oh well, I also think that uh, when you are, uh, you know, that much in demand too, you know, you, you've got to think that uh, he's got people that are always hounding him, saying, "Hey, can you join us for this investigation? Hey, can you come with us to this?" And hey, so even when you think you're going to have a night off, somebody's probably calling you and coming up with something else for you to do. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I, I know he still takes my phone calls. So, uh, you know, he's he's busy. <laughs> well, I, I do think, too, that, uh, you know, you're, you're a pretty guy, uh, pretty busy guy yourself, too. So you've probably got your hands full taking a look at just some of the paranormal activity I know of in Texas. Uh, it seems mm-hmm. like that is a, a hot spot for weird phenomena, not just not just ghosts, but all kinds of strange things. Yeah, we got Bigfoot down here. We got uh, UFOs. Uh, you know, you name it. We pretty much got it down here. Uh, what What is? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you're dealing with hauntings, but d- does your organization also look into some of these other strange things as well? No, unfortunately, we just we got all we can do with residentials. Understandable. Um, you know, I, yeah, I I usually um, uh, get Daryl Sims to take care of the uh, the UFO stuff and uh, Ken Gerard to do the uh, crypto stuff for us. So, with the ghost phenomena that happens there, with with the paranormal phenomena that happens there, would you say that there is a reason to believe that there is, uh, like we have the Bridgewater Triangle here in Massachusetts? Would you call that, you know, some type of a vortex area where where all these weird things are happening? I would say so, uh, and and the reason being is that uh, just just from. Uh, the uh, discoveries that you've had in the area and and everything that as that seems to be um, you know almost the same. So uh, yeah, I would. What it is, I couldn't tell you. I, I have no clue. 
But yeah, I mean, the area seems like it would be some type of a vortex. I mean, as long as it's keeping you busy, <laughs> you know, there's no yeah. reason to really, oh, yeah. really uh, try to solve it and figure it out. But I, I'm very fascinated by places like that where there can be because there's a lot of trees in the paranormal. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of places where we can take all those trees and see that whole entire forest. And I, and I think right. Texas, is, especially your area of Texas, is, is one area where you can actually start to see that forest. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So then this is probably something that you have been doing for, for quite a while now. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen your name around for a long time. And, uh, you know, not to make you feel old, but you've probably <laughs> been, been uh, checking the stuff out for quite some time. Yeah, um, I've been doing it. It's been over 30 years now. Um, and, uh, I tell you what, I, I get so many, uh, I get, I get so many emails and phone calls about questions on stuff. I just had one today. Um, some lady that's in Omaha is claiming that she's, uh, she thinks she's possessed. So I, I had to, I had to hand that one over, uh, to, uh, the priest that I work with to see what he can figure out on that one. Uh, it didn't seem like, uh, when I was uh, assessing her, uh, she didn't seem like that there was anything happening as far as it being a possession. It seemed like more of a, I don't know, more of a faith issue. I think she was she was uh, um, concerned about um, her faith and also that she had worked. She had done something with uh, 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 what is it, uh, a curandera, uh, with a Mexican witch, and uh, I'm thinking that. Uh, with that, subconsciously, she might be manifesting something. Wow. I mean, I, I don't like to ask the question of sure. because you you hear it too much in an in interview. And it's just it's it's lazy interviewing, I think, a lot of times too. But I, I'm people, an open book, man. You can ask me whatever. If well, I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know. No, it's just I, I I I hate to start a conversation with. So tell us how you got involved in all this stuff, Peter. But I have to ask: Did the credentials? come after you started looking into this stuff or were you already yeah, a hypnotherapist beforehand yeah the, the credentials came way after uh i when I, I think that everybody that has uh that's in the study has had something happen to them that would push them towards you know the study itself uh mine was is that i was 12 years old in my parents house and i was watching a monster movie and uh the room went cold and uh my dog sat up and uh turned around and was looking up the stairs on, on, on our house. And I saw my grandfather walking down the stairs and I love my grandfather, but he, he passed the year before. Um, you know, when I saw him, uh, it didn't, it wasn't, uh, there wasn't any sound. There wasn't any, um, you know, it wasn't, he it, it wasn't really that fluid. It was kind of like a jerky motion, not like you see in the movies, but I don't exactly know how to understand, uh, describe it. And, uh, he, ca- and he looked solid. He looked solid to a point. And when he came down the stairs, he made a left turn and believe it or not, went, to, went into our, uh, our, our hall, cl- hall closet, which, uh, had a, a big medallion that he brought over from Italy that hung in two of the houses that he built in New York. So it was that point that I kind of figured that, uh, you know, it, it was his property and, uh, he was kind of walking towards what he knew. And at 12 years old, I mean, you can't get really do- a whole lot deeper than that. Um, so I just started reading everything I could. Uh, Hans Holzer was a big, uh, uh, was a, was a big writer at the time. Uh, D. Scott Rogo, um, man, I just, uh, Peter Underwood, 
I just read everything I could on haunted houses and ghosts. And uh, I would go into school and shoot for a while there. They called me the ghost boy because you couldn't find me. <laughs> any, you couldn't find me anywhere without a ghost book. And I would always be sitting down and reading. Um, now, I got into uh, high school and uh, I had got real uh, I got real lucky with my uh, my psych, uh, my psych prof. Uh, he let me write on uh, on parapsychological uh, things. Uh, I just had to kind of keep it within the a basic realm of what he wanted to have done but put a put twist on it and uh he he helped me uh, uh hone my craft there and then i got into college and uh same thing with psychology uh just you know got into it wanted, and learned how you know what our mind does and how we react and things and uh you know i i got into hypnotherapy uh, because I wanted to work with uh, the p- with police on cold case files and missing uh, people and children, and uh, so I uh, had I had gone to the Path Foundation and I got my cer- my certification from uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Ed Martin, and uh, learned from him uh, far more than I've ever learned anywhere else uh, how the mind reacts and what our mind does during s- times of stress, and uh, when you remove things from the subconscious, how things can change. And, uh, you know, I, I learned at that point, uh, just having studied a lot of, uh, a lot of time with, uh, poltergeist, because poltergeist is fascinating. Uh, you know, and I had learned, uh, by working with clients that, uh, I could remove fears and I could remove, uh, uh, stress. And, uh, I've had haunting stop and I've had them stop in their home. I had one lady at one time uh, move into a home that uh, she had just divorced her husband, and he was very he was very controlling. And uh, the reason why she left is because he would call her uh, from work and say, "You know, why did you know?" He had these all these cameras all over the house, and uh, he would just uh, he was he would just berate her. You know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? So she finally said, "The heck with it," and she you know she left and moved into her own home. But she was very high, hypersensitive because of everything that she had been through with him. So um, when I went over to the home and I, and, and ha- after having assessed her and found out about the hypersensitivity, uh, you know, I, I placed her under uh, there and uh, had her, had removed all the causes for uh, her being scared of living in her home, and uh, things stopped then too. So you know, I was like, oh, okay, so you know, I, I I know I know where to do, to go with this. So. You know, uh, I have I've worked with a lot of folks uh, in in different hauntings and stuff, um, helping them between uh, dealing with things or raising their psychic awareness uh, or uh, just removing things uh, that would have poltergeist activity stop. Now, I could tell you that from what everything I've seen so far, a lot of the stuff, most of the major stuff that if it isn't place memory, um, you know, which is uh, like a, you know, the recorded event that plays over and over again. Um, it, it's usually uh, it's usually stress, some stress or something that has been um, in in their past that uh, you know so that hasn't been corrected with uh, some type of uh, uh, you know talking to a psychologist or psychiatrist or counselor, and uh, so that you still have those triggers, and you know, with the right person or the right sense. Um, can trigger, you know, that issue that you had way back, and it can physically manifest. Well, and 
a question came up in the chat room uh, sure. while you're speaking. You know, if if you can stop people from having a, a reaction to what's going on, uh, I mean, you can. As a psychotherapist, as as, as, a, as a hypnotherapist, I mean, you can train somebody to be uh, disgusted by the taste of a cigarette, for example. You know, you can yeah. have them, when they put it in their mouth, they can say, oh, this is gross. I don't want this anymore. But that doesn't and get I've, rid and of... I've, and I've done that before. But that and doesn't I, get I, rid I of the root before. desire to smoke, right? That that doesn't get rid well, of no, the well, craving. Well, yeah, we'll see... Well, well, that what I normally do is, I mean, I can I can place that, you know, the the bad taste. Uh, you know, if you're having a uh, an issue with chocolate, I can tell you that, you know, it tastes however you want, however you want it to taste, so you don't eat it. Mm-hmm. But uh, my my thoughts are is that if you don't correct the behavior, you still have, you're putting a bandaid on it, and it's still there. Right. So you know, so that's why I I, I do a more of an assessment. And uh, find out exactly what it is, or if I have to place them under, and uh, go back and look at different times uh, in their childhood that they remind they, that they can remember things. Uh, you know, I look for the triggers in there, and I try to take care of it at that point. Does that answer your question? Right, exactly. Because it's you know you want to get rid of what the root issue is, uh, because yeah. otherwise, you know, like you said, putting a bandaid on it might solve. And and we see this happen all the time with with paranormal investigators, especially when people go in, they're not trained well enough. They go in and take on residential cases where you know they might be able to to get things to subside a little bit, but it doesn't solve the issue which which basically the only real real way to solve the issue is you have to get the person that lives there to understand what is going on it can't just be you know teaching them uh well you know if you do this and or do that or tell the ghost to stop doing this or whatever you need to kind of find a way to make that relationship work at its very root right and i spend a lot of time with my clients when i when i work with them uh normally uh in the position i have within my team is that you know I, being the parapsychologist i usually um i'm the one that does the interviews and i'm usually the one that sits and i and i and i and i uh, notice things you know i look at the family how it's reacting uh during you know whatever's going on while we were doing things uh i pay attention to uh behaviors and things like that so you know what triggers off what if this one does this that it, it ticks this one off and something might happen after that so you know i spend a lot of time after i do the assessment to uh, uh to explain as much as in much detail as i can uh, for them to understand, and then I, what I usually do too is I provide them uh, reading material, you know, because sometimes you know it, it's it's too much to grasp at one time. So you know, if you start looking at some PDF files and some some links, you know, they can go back at their leisure to understand. And I found that that helps helps out a lot too, because the more you get to know how things work, the more you understand, and and things just tend to dissipate because of the understanding. Not so much that. You're, you're running anything out of the house, but if it's a psychological thing, you know, if they understand how their mind is working and how, how they're perceiving things and they learn, and they learn it, then it, it's, sometimes it just goes, it just goes away. And, and I've heard that happen, uh, you know, more often than not where, uh, people will have phenomena going on they don't understand. They'll call somebody in to help them, uh, figure out whether or not it's something paranormal in nature. And then once right. they, once they just get that answer of, of one way or another, you know, obviously if it turns out that it's not paranormal, that's a lot easier to digest. Right. But if somebody comes in and says, I think you do have something going on here, sometimes that's mm-hmm. just enough for them to to better understand it, to not be afraid of it, and then that fear stops yeah. feeding into it. 
Exactly. Sometimes just to giving the validation of, hey, they heard it. They heard it too. Okay, thanks. You know, I've had that happen too. You know, uh, you know, and I watched. I was I was watching you speak a little bit uh, before we got on, and it sounds like that. Uh, you know, you've had a lot of experiences as far as seeing things as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you kind of understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing too is uh, if you're. A person, and, and you probably see this doing residential cases all the time. If you're a person that understands the paranormal world and knows what to look for, then mm-hmm. it, and it takes a lot more for it to affect you. I mean, you, you know, you might experience it, but it takes a lot more for it to get to the point where it unnerves you so you can deal with a little bit more. So sometimes you're going in there, maybe you're going in there under the, the guise of being an investigator or a researcher, but you're actually going in there to be more of an educator and to kind of give the person, arm the person with enough information that all of a sudden the unknown doesn't become, it uh, doesn't stay unknown and it becomes far less scary. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, it'd be a lot easier if people would just like buy a book that you wrote, but you know, I'm working on it right now. If you go to the house, maybe they make you chocolate chip cookies. So there's always that too. (laughs) I've had, you know, I've gone to houses before and, uh, I've had, I've had folks, uh, make meals for us while we're there. Wow. And it's always appreciated. Uh, you know, uh, we don't ask for it, but, uh, you know, it's always appreciated for, uh, with that. uh, Here's my thing. I, I can't, I can't go into residential cases. Uh, we've done a few things here and there. Uh, but I just I don't like going into somebody else's house. It's just weird to me. And so uh, I don't even like it. Like when you go to somebody's house, they're having like a yard sale, and they're like, "Oh, we all the stuff is in the garage." I'm like, no, nah, I'll just stay out here. <laughs> so that's I always can appreciate when people can go in and uh, and handle the residential cases because you are putting yourselves into that person's life completely. Which I mean, I guess you have yes. to to be able to understand what it is that they're going through. Yeah, and so and, and there's been times uh, when I've worked with uh, poltergeist cases that I've I've actually moved into the home for you know a few days at a time because you know in all honesty you know when you work in a case and you work in something that uh, you know they're, that they're experiencing they're 24 seven all right so they're going to see a lot more stuff and experience a lot more stuff than I would so if I could put place myself in there for a, a small amount of time to see if I can if I can get just a, a, a Ten percent of what they're experiencing, I can understand a little bit more, and it puts them more at ease too because they're they're seeing me go through it with them. And the other part of it too is with people having these experiences and, and going through this, uh, as you said, it, it's just being there alongside them and and them seeing the way that you react to it. And the way that's, that's one of the things that I try to caution people that go in and do residential cases all the time is you have to realize that when you go in there and you're there, you're basically, you know, like a paranormal security guard for these people. You can't flinch. You can't get freaked out by something because you just, you getting freaked out means that person might never want to go back into their own home again. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, if the answer man's stumped, who are they going to ask? Exactly. But I mean, you can be stumped. It's okay to say, I don't oh, know. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But you can't run I mean, out screaming. things I can't explain. I'm not saying that I know everything. I, I don't. I, there's no way for me to know everything. But, you know, the minute you, and I've, I've seen it happen with investigators where I've said to them, you know, they've, they've taken off in an, on an investigation and said, you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't go back down there. I can't go. Like, no, you have to because you're the last line of defense for these people. You have to yes. be able to go in there and say, whatever this is, I know it can't hurt me. I know it can't, 
you know, it, it's it's very limited in its reach. It's very limited in its power. The most it can do is unnerve me, and I can't let it do that. Right, right. I, exactly, exactly. Is there a, I mean, is, is there a, a, a trick that you have to do for your fellow investigators? Do you have to kind of hypnotize them so that they freak out? I have actually hypnotized uh, investigators to um, – uh, to to bolster their courage, if I have to, uh, you know, I've also I've also had them. Um, I've also talked with them, and I told them, I said, "Look, you know, you've chose you've chosen to do this, whether it's uh, you know whether it's just for fun or if you're you know a serious researcher." And I remind them, "This is what you're here for. This is why you chose this. This is what you want to experience." So you know, I I, I after I tell them this. Uh, you know, I tell them, you know, to go ahead and get your composure and feel, you know, so you feel comfortable. And, I, and I'm not going to place anybody in somewhere that they're uncomfortable with, but I like for them to kind of settle in. But, you know, and I was listening to you talking about um, sitting uh, sitting in the basement or uh, and with the lights off so you can get to feel the feel the room, feel the area. I, I agree totally with that. You have to know what you're, where you are. You have to have, you know, your energy is also uh, mixing with whatever energy that might be there. So the more that your energy is there, the more it gets used to it. You know, maybe you might see you might have you might have seen uh, those those feet coming down the stairs a little longer. You know, maybe you know you don't know if it was an energy thing or if it just you know if it has any feeling saying, well, you know, he's weirding me out and he leaves. I mean, you don't know. So you know. Well, I mean, I guess too. Like, there's there's the benefit of of being able to have that effect on your fellow investigators. Being able to maybe you can help raise their, uh, for lack of a better term, their you know their kind of their vibrational status. Their their uh, you know get them a little bit more up into the beta waves so they can perceive this stuff through through hypnosis. You can probably get people closer to that. But then doesn't isn't the opposite side of that too? You have to be careful not to put somebody in a in a state where they could be highly susceptible to suggestion. Uh, I make sure that uh, I mean, I, I, before I place anybody into hypnosis, I explain to them what I'm going to do. I explain to them what it's going to do, and I want them to be comfortable with it. I just don't place anybody under without knowing exactly what I'm doing. You know, so when I when I when I work with clients uh, for just you know PTSD and things like that, you know, when I do the assessment, and uh, as I'm writing the uh, my uh, my session. Yeah, you know, I I go over the session after I'm done with it, so they know exactly what's being done, they know exactly what we're going to do, and they know exactly how the session's going to go. You know, no no surprises, and that's also a good comfort level. You know, that I've found that the more they know about what you're going to do, the easier that they will go under. It, it, I mean, I've never been hypnotized. I've I've never uh, been. Put into that type of a, a scenario or a suggestion. I've always said, you know, I would I'd be open to the possibility, but at the same time, when I go on an investigation, you know, just as an example, this came up. Uh, was it? Yeah, it was last Friday night when I was in Connecticut. I'm talking to some of the tour guides for okay. the Smith Harris House, and one of them okay. said to me, dead serious, "Have you ever investigated while taking psychedelics?" I said, well, no. I don't have folks do that. No, because I don't, I've, I don't have to do that. I've never, I've never taken a psychedelic, and I, and I probably wouldn't because I just don't have that much time. But uh, I, I, it made me think that it's not entirely a bad idea to have that happen because well, under controlled, sir, under right. controlled circumstances with a doctor, you know, uh, it, it, you know, it, 
I could I could see maybe experimenting with that, but just going to some into somebody's uh, right, not into somebody's home, no, uh, somebody's you know place of business or home. Yeah, you don't need anybody tripping out in there. I mean, that's that, that's uh, you know, I, I, that's my responsibility. And if anything happens, you know, I'm you know, it's it's I'm responsible for it. So, but I I, I, I can't I, I can't do that. I do think though that to some degree we we kind of put ourselves in that same mindset when we are investigating. Obviously, we're not being controlled chemically by something, you know, that we're putting right. into our bodies, but we are changing our our, our psychological outlook. When we go yes. into these places, and, and I, I think the effect is the same. It's obviously a lot easier to, to take yourself out of that position than if uh, if you deem it dangerous. But it is it, it is interesting. And, and although I don't take psychedelics, I know enough people that do that we might we might try that experiment sometime in the future. I, I know Moniz would be happy to try whatever we could. Uh, my co-host Matt Moniz, who's not here tonight, would be happy to try that. Uh, <laughs> but I would. I mean, Just make sure that they know. I, I mean, I would like to just see kind of what the effect is on him. I, I've 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 done podcasts while drunk, if that counts. I mean, that's a pretty famous episode of Spooky South Coast. Uh, so when you are, I'm even ask. <laughs> which, by the way, we're we're going to have to do another. We say this every summer. We're going to do another backyard podcast this year. Uh, as you're getting ready to uh, put somebody into this. State. So say, say you're going on an investigation. You have somebody that's with you, uh, who is a new investigator who is joining you for the first time and they're apprehensive about going into this. Uh, they're, they're, they're concerned about going into this. Do you think that that, uh, an investigator that has that mentality, that has that stress level, can that actually be beneficial on an investigation? Yes, Yes, it actually can. And, but, you know, I, I don't want anybody thinking that, you know, I, I know all with my, uh, you know, the investigators I work with, you know, I play, I place them all under and they're like robots. I don't do that at all. But I mean, if, if somebody, uh, if somebody wants to be placed under because of, you know, they need the courage or, uh, they're scared or something like that, I have no problem doing that. Uh, you know, and, and it only helps them, uh, because they can see, okay, I, I, I handled that well, you know, so they might next time they might, you know, might not want me to place them under. Maybe maybe they might want to try it on their own. But I I also have folks shadowing, you know, the more experienced investigators too. So it's not like that they're going to be in an area that they're by themselves. You know, there were somebody that somebody else that have had experiences. So, you know, they they don't feel that bad when they're when they're going and working in a place. And and I apologize to anybody that's listening. I fixed the echo problem. That was on my end. That was oh, that I okay. had the YouTube uh, open on on my computer, but if anybody just heard me pop into the network, I just I noticed the phone lines were lighting up, so I just want to make sure it wasn't people that are listening on the radio calling to tell us that we were off the air. So I just popped oh, okay. it onto the radio for a minute to see if we were okay. But we do have uh, the phone lines open if anybody wants to call in five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Peter, we have somebody on the line if you want to take a call. It it may not be related to what we're talking about at all, so just as a, as a warning. If I don't know, I'll just you know. I, I, if I don't know, I'll just tell you I don't know. Well, chances are we'll probably end up cutting him if it's uh if it's who it might be. But let's see. Okay. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with our guest Peter Haviland. Yes, I'm only calling because I like to listen to your show. Although uh, you're getting two different programs in the last hour, I don't know what it's going to do now because I turned it off for a minute. But you're getting two different shows, and you know you have two programs. To, on on the radio, yes. you're listening on the radio. Okay, yeah, we're not we're not even broadcasting on the radio right now. Oh, 
okay, but it's on there. But so you're hearing us go, oh, yeah, that's why you're hearing. And you're hearing something else. Yeah. You're hearing the guest over. See, if this is what happens. I do this every time. Thank uh, you for the heads up. No problem. Do, Thank you. Which which would you rather hear, the Red Sox or Spooky South Coast? Yeah. Uh, South Coast. I'd rather listen to that. I'm not crazy for sports too much. Are the Red Sox over? Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, All right, we can yeah. fix that problem right now. We're going to go okay. on the radio. All right, thanks. Thank Bye. you. All right, so uh, that explains why the phone lines were lighting up, because I forgot okay. to push one of the other. Why do they keep letting me come in here and do this show? <laughs> they like you. So uh, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. We are broadcasting now over the WBSM, uh, in addition to broadcasting on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. So now... Everybody can hear us over the radio. And uh, we are talking with our guest, Peter Haviland. He is a hypnotherapist, a parapsychologist, a paranormal researcher. We're talking with him about his approach to investigations and uh, how, how exactly he utilizes his uh, abilities as a hypnotherapist on paranormal investigations. And we also got him to uh, hypnotize me and make me cluck like a chicken. But you guys missed that part because we were just on YouTube at that yeah, point. You're going to have to watch out for those brown eggs. <laughs> we just we just want to uh, give that little tease so that people go and check out the beginning of the uh, podcast. So uh, if anybody wants to call in again, 508-996-0500, now that you can hear the full show on WBSM, it will make way more sense that you can hear both sides of the conversation. Uh, so in looking at some of these uh, residential cases that you go to, uh, what is more often than not, because I think things have changed a little bit, when we started doing the show, you know, 12 years ago, we would often right. have people that would say that they had paranormal activity going on. You would show up at their house. It would turn out to be right. something else. You know, in, in right. the, in the early days of ghost hunters being on TV, you know, we would see a lot of cases that they would go and take care of where people thought it was paranormal. It turned out not to be. Are you seeing a change in the way that people understand the paranormal now so that now when you go out on a case, on a residential case, are we seeing a higher percentage of, of actual paranormal activity happening, or is it still a lot of misperception by the by the homeowner, by the resident, or the business owner thinking that it's something else? Well, I, I don't I don't mean to sound like a hater, uh, but you know when the paranormal shows came out, I mean yeah, it was great for uh, to put to put a, a you know, put a, a spotlight on what researchers like us do. Uh, it was great. But the problem is that when you get to, when you start doing stuff like that and you and you're looking at these shows, you know they're they're entertainment purposes. I mean, you know they, they you know so uh, uh, drama sells soap, you know. So they're going to do whatever they need to do to make sure people tune in next next week. Now I've never been on an, uh, an investigation. I don't. I'm sure you haven't either. That is four hours. I mean, I, I've been at places for 12 hours, sat in a corner, and watched spiders. I mean, you know, but you can't put that on TV. So, you know, uh, so a lot of folks, when they have stuff happening in their homes, there is a lot of misidentification because they'll they'll think, hey, you know, uh, Zach, uh, you know, Zach did this in the, in this uh, in this attic, and he got this, and this is happening at my house, so this must be what Zach's dealing with. So then I get an email saying, well, you know, I've got a demon in my home, you know, uh, and that's, you know, I, and the, the first question I ask him is that, uh, well, how do you know it's a demon? Well, he told me his name. Okay. 
Well, you don't have a demon then, because normally, uh, you know, uh, you have a, an exorcist that uses the ritual to tire out if there is a demon there so he can expel them. So they don't just give up their name. So if they're saying that there's a name, there's a, there's a different issue besides uh, what they're thinking it is. But, you know, and I have had a lot of folks, you know, get real mad at me, though, when I do stuff like that, because they, they, they honestly think what they're seeing on TV is what we do. And for the, and, and for the most part, it's, it, it might be, it might be 50%, maybe. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, the other stuff, I mean, is, it's, it's just all, it's all smoke and mirrors. And like I said, I don't mean to sound like a, a hater. Uh, but, you know, what gets me is that, you know, you, you were talking about earlier about, uh, uh, about investigators coming going into a house that uh, you know that didn't have didn't have any background and things like that, you know, um, there, there's a lot of that goes on right now. They they you know they watch the TV shows, they get put a team together, uh, they go out and they go into people's homes, which you know it's their uh, it's it's their livelihood. I mean that's where they live. Nobody wants to live in a spooky house in the corner, you know. Um, but you know, they come in, they, they don't know what they're doing. They don't refer out, they don't call people in. And then you have people that are more wigged out, um, you know, than when you, they first got there, you know, folks need to understand what they're doing, how things work and, uh, and, and, and know about what's, you know, know how things go before they even step into it. I mean, heck, some of them don't even know who Harry Price is. Oh, that drives me crazy. I've uh, I've often, you know, got into that with people on social media, uh, even on their show before, where you know people will talk about uh, the groundbreaking investigators of today. You know, they they'll worship Zach Bagans, but they have no idea who Harry Price is. I'm like, if it wasn't for Harry Price, none of us would be around because he's the guy that made the media pay attention to the paranormal. Well, so did Houdini. He, Houdini used to go out and uh, and and uh, call out a lot of these mediums, right? And uh, and and part of that was uh, the fact that uh, he, I mean, people like to say, look at what Houdini did. He was trying to discredit what went on, but what what he really did was he laid the foundation for us to be able to uh, be able to add a lot of the debunking into what people were doing. Because in the eighteen hundreds, yep. uh, you know, during the spiritualism era, when you had uh, the Ghost Club show up and when you had um, the Society for Cyclical Research show up and you had all yep. these different organizations, they were mm -hmm. they were looking to disprove some of these claims, but really they wanted to believe that this stuff was real. And and Houdini was able to kind of flip that script a little bit to say, well, okay, I really want it to be real, but it's not. So it, it, right. it and, gave and, us that opposite perspective. Right. And it's, it, and it's a mindset, as you're saying, you know, when you go into a place, you don't want to try to find the find the data that supports a haunting. You want to go in there to find out what's going on to take take it off the list. So, you know, you, what you're dealing with so you can concentrate on what the what the event is. And, uh, you know, and, and I frustrate people when I say that because, you know, they're saying, well, you know, the first thing I do is I go in and get an EVP. I said, well, why? You don't even know that there's something there. You don't even know what's going on in the home structurally, uh, you know, physically, uh, you know, electrically or anything. You're just thinking something's going on and you're, and you're, and a lot of the EVPs that I hear these days, and it probably might might be just my ear, uh, a lot of it sounds like it's very over uh, over processed. It's like uh, listening to a a robot, 
and you know, and then they give uh, audio cues saying, "Well, it says Bob goes to the store." Well, if you tell me it says Bob goes to the store, my ears going to tune in on it and say, "Oh yeah, that's what it sounds like." Right. Yeah. Well, part of the problem too is though, and I'm trying to get people away from this. Um, I'm trying to get them away from the overprocessing of the EVPs because basically what that is is that's like when you show me a photo of uh, something, you know, you took a photo somewhere and then you blow right. it up. And when you blow it up, you pixelate it and you say, can't you see that face right there? Well, oh, that drives me yeah, because wild. you've totally blown it now out of perspective. And it's the same thing with the overprocessing of the audio now where you can hear anything in, in the white noise or, or even in the static yes, silence can. if you're going to blow it up that much. And, and it's, it's ruining things. I like to hear it when... You know, you're on an investigation and somebody comes over and just plays it for you off their recorder. And mm-hmm. enough of that happens that I don't need your help in, in hearing what, what is there. The, the problem is, is it's evidence is, and I shouldn't use the term evidence. I should use the term data, but the data isn't collected for the basis of proving or disproving the haunting in a lot of cases for a lot of investigators. The data is collected to justify having been there in the first place. Exactly. And that's exactly. you're doing a disservice to the investigation and to yourself as an investigator by doing that, and and the people that you're trying to help. Right, absolutely. They don't. I mean, they're having enough stuff go on that they don't need you coming in there mm-hmm. and, uh, or you know, supposedly having enough stuff going on. They don't need you coming in there and and misinterpreting everything else to to make them feel better. And a lot of times, you you won't be doing that. You'll be making them feel worse. Yeah, and you know, and then they start getting weirded out that they you know they feel like the the house is. Uh, haunted or demonically possessed or whatever and now they have all this money tied up into it and they want to move and you know people have now started hearing that it's the creepy house on the corner because everybody and their brothers put it on their website about what they've done and now these folks have a problem trying to trying to get rid of the house if that's what they want to do mm-hmm. yeah that's the other thing too is like you people don't realize this you think that you're going into a house to help them out with their paranormal problems, but nine times out of ten, their problem isn't paranormal. It's something else exactly. going on within the family that you're going to now insert yourself into. As mm-hmm. you know, I look at it. You ever see that movie? It's a it's very very uh, very obscure movie these days. But the the Dennis Leary movie, The Ref, where he's just trying to break yeah. into this house to steal something, and he ends up being stuck in this family's drama. That's what you're doing as a paranormal investigator when you take on residential mm-hmm. cases. Well, and you also have to be trained too to deal with people that uh, deal with people that uh, deal with stress or you know or having uh, you know if they have a mental issue and stuff, being able to at least see and recognize what it is, so you know how to how to deal with things or call somebody that in that can help you with it. Uh, you know, a lot of folks take uh, they just they go in they 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 read a list down that they you know they think is a. Uh, what what they're supposed to do, and uh, they make things worse, man. Mm-hmm. I, That's why one of the first. So listen, if you go over somebody's house, you're just going to visit somebody. It's very uh, intrusive. It's very mm-hmm. impolite to walk into their bathroom and open up their medicine cabinet and see what kind of drugs they might have in there. However, if you're going in as a paranormal investigator, it's perfectly fine because you need to know. That information. That's why I say when people are like, well, you know, I went out and I bought, uh, you know, Hans Holzer's Ghosts and I went out and I bought this Brad Steiger book and I bought this Jeff Belanger book. And yeah, all that's great. Yep. But did you buy the big book of pills? Because yep. that's what you need more than anything if you're going to be taking on residential cases. 
Well, I, I have a I have an app on my phone that I can you know I can look up what pills are and what the uh, what the uh, oh, effects are against each other. I always have that with me. So then you know you don't even because there should be an intake. And, and you know, this is a, is a, is a hypnotherapist. There should be yep. an intake for every patient that you're doing. There should be an intake for every client that you're taking on as a, as an mm-hmm. investigator, because you need to have an understanding of what you're putting yourself into and, and what, what this person is expecting out of you. And if those expectations are realistic. Well, you know, I, I have an investigator that's a paramedic. Okay. So if anybody's going to be checking meds, the paramedic is the one to be checking the meds because he's got an understanding. Uh, you know, or a basic understanding of what we're looking for, what things do, and know and knows how to find the information, and at least understand what's going on. You know, not just everybody can go in and and do this. You have to have training. Mm-hmm. You do. You have to have training. But unfortunately, and I, and, I, and, I don't, and I don't say that because I'm trying to place myself above anybody. I'm not. I, I don't. I don't do that. But you know, you, you need to have folks like you know, like police officers or uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors, stuff like that that know how to deal with people in stress. Especially if you have, it, it, you know, I, I've had cases before that I've had to call in um, child protection services because uh, of the of the treatment of one of the one of the children. You know, and uh, and I've ha- I mean I've had to do that. Did I want to do that? No. It you know it breaks my heart when that happens, but. You have to know what you're looking at, so you know how to handle things. I, I, I if anybody's watching the video, they just saw me uh, kind of giggle a little bit. That's because uh, Bart said in the chat room he is a paramedic; he only treats ghosts. <laughs> I'm just racking up the Bart coins tonight. Uh, so, but, but that is absolutely 100 percent the the biggest issue that I have with with people taking on residential cases. It's 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 that they are so excited. Uh, you know, a lot of these armchair investigators who watch it on TV and, and, you know, season, 10 seasons of Ghost Adventures is what they consider their training, that they are that excited to have the opportunity to go in there. They don't realize that they might not be the best person to take that on that investigation, or they might need to call in somebody with some more experience to kind of shadow them. And, and it's, it's okay to admit that something may be not right for you in that because it's not about you it's not about what you're going to experience it's about whether or not you can help the person that's reaching out to you for help and people will think think better of you if you do call in somebody that has uh, more experience to you know to walk with you or you know you shadow them or whatever because then they know okay they're exactly what you're saying you know they care about what I'm going through it's not it's not an ego thing it's not uh, you know it's not a TV thing they actually want to help and people people uh, appreciate that. Well, the uh, the other thing too with with residential cases is, and and I want to get into this because your experience with poltergeist cases I think fits in perfectly with uh, a lot of what people experience in these hauntings or supposed hauntings. Okay. okay. But I got to ask you first before we get into this and go down that path. Sure. What is your definition of a poltergeist haunting what do you think is going on with a poltergeist haunting i think it is a manifestation of uh of an issue with a person that that um when it when they're triggered the subconscious places the energy out into the atmosphere or the or the environment and i and it has and usually when they do that it has something to do with what happened with the original issue 
for instance, uh, you know, th- there's been cases uh, they've talked about you know, having seen rain or, or water. Uh, well, and metaphorically, that is uh, that's depression or sadness. Uh, you know, when they talk about uh, fire poltergeist, that's usually anger. If it's, uh, you know, if it's uh, like fire on your wife's stuff, then you're mad at your wife for some reason. I mean, it's just, you know, it kind of just, you know, it just kind of falls into it. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I do, I do believe that, um, the conscious mind can survive death. It's very, very rare, but that, that is an intelligent haunting when that happens. That's not specific, that's not a poltergeist. Um, you know, um, you know, you have what I was talking about before, place memory. You know, uh, you know, us having, um, an energy field around us, you know, and during high emotions, you know, happy, bad, sad, whatever, you know, we place that information into the environments that we live in. So our psychic selves pick that up. And, uh, you know, and that's when you have empaths being able to read a room. Uh, You know, sometimes you hear footsteps all the time going up and down the stairs because somebody might have been, you know, uh, upset or whatever the case may be, you know. uh, And so, I mean, there's all these different levels. Uh, You know, I I just, uh, you know, I just don't uh, uh, tune into the poltergeist, but it just seems like most of the calls that I get, at least 80 percent of the calls that I get, are related to that, and I, and it doesn't surprise me because of the way that uh, the world is today, and uh, you know how and people are high, more highly stressed, and a lot of folks have a lot of more issues than either we we either we had in the past, or now it's just becoming uh, more um, you know it's it's becoming uh, accepted now to talk about it. You know, before anybody thinks that this is a political comment, since I got blasted for the last show for getting political because. People don't realize that anything that I say politically is just setting up for a joke. Uh, I'm, I'm never, I'm never really going to talk politics on this show, unless you know it's you know, like the politics behind whether or not there's going to be UFO disclosure. That's a different story. But you know, uh, I don't just espouse politics on there. I didn't even do it when I had a show that was general talk. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I do think that the the climate of the world right now and and all of the divisiveness that's going on has worked its way into families and has worked its yes, way it in so there's there's kids that are against their parents husbands and wives that are against each other that are on opposite sides of the discussion where everything can be fine at home but then something comes on the news about you know children being taken from their parents or or any of these you stories know, that have been we're in the under news. a lot of stressful times right now you know uh i would like to think that uh these are you know these are growing pains and and things will come better from this you know I, and i really i really i really believe that but yeah i mean th- there's a lot of stressful things uh, you know uh, depending on you know what uh, you know who you who you support in in politics yeah i mean that's 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 a hot button man uh you know was a religion of politics you never discuss them right exactly but that but those are the things that are feeding into these uh you, you know, just putting that that energy out between people living in a home that that's only making things worse. I, I, let me tell you a little bit of a, a personal story. So, and I've, sure. I've talked about this on the show. So it's not like I'm I'm speaking out of school here. But I had an aunt and uncle that owned a haunted house for years, and okay. the activity started and was centered around my female cousin Amy, who was uh, about twelve, twelve or thirteen at the okay. time, and she was seen to be teenage gangs. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the way she was. You know, she went from being, uh, she was the, you know, my aunt 
treated her like a little girly girl and, you know, wanted her to be the next Shirley Temple and all that kind of stuff. And right. as she became a teenager, she realized that wasn't really what she was into. So there was a lot of that, you know, coming of age stuff going on. But this mm-hmm. activity starts to amp up and I'm there. I'm experiencing it. I know that paranormal phenomena is taking place. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm thinking I'm under the the guise of, uh, you know, some of this paranormal uh, uh, poltergeist research, I should say, where they're saying, well, it's something that's coming from the living person and the prepubescent girl is the perfect person to be the conduit for this type of activity. And if there's any kind of drama between them and somebody else in the home, that that could be festering in and manifesting itself as paranormal activity. And so for years, I I thought that that was probably what was going on, which is still fascinating to me. It's still just Mm -hmm. as fascinating as thinking that it's ghosts. But then the more that I found out the history of of the property and of that area and and, Mm -hmm. and some of the other paranormal phenomena that takes place in other houses on that street, then I I don't really know where to go. So I don't – which is more likely and plausible in in some of these scenarios? Is it people that are causing hauntings or is it ghosts that are causing hauntings? Well, you know, then you get you're getting into uh, different things now. As far as, I mean, the, the different hauntings in different houses. I mean, you can have two or three different things going on at one time, but uh, but when it comes together, it might look like one thing. So you know, you might have the poltergeist stuff happening with, with you know uh, with with the twelve year old, and then you might have uh, some. Uh, uh, place memory happening because of whatever historical thing happened around there. And, uh, you know, and then you, you might have something intelligent if it's reacting to, if it's reacting to you, uh, you know, and, but that's when you have to really start drilling into each one to find out exactly which one you're dealing with. It's pain in the ass. I mean, I'll be honest with you, but you know, it's tedious work, but it, that needs to be done. Well, and the other part of it too is one can kind of beget the other. You know, one one is only going to serve to amplify the other. Yeah. Well, if you have, for instance, if you've got something intelligent that's in the house that uh, is scaring uh, the 12-year-old, that's going to amp up her angst. And, you know, that might be heavier pol- poltergeist activity. That might be something that with the poltergeist activity cues off uh, the intelligent haunting, whatever that might might be. Yeah, exactly. You know, and when things like that happen, you know, I, I like to bring in a medium as a tool. And I like to get see if we can get a hold of uh, the energies in the place and find out names, dates, places, and events, uh, you know, researchable researchable information, and see if that helps things out too. Um, you know, when I when I work with a medium, I know everybody says that you know you don't tell them what's going on; you just tell them the address and they show up. Well, that's yeah, I I, I, I do that, but I also follow the medium with a camera the the medium is never by herself so whatever she's reading i have on film if uh, if if something happens while she's in the room i could i have something now saying well the media was in the room and what she is doing and what she is saying is it queuing off the perfume bottle to fall you know it it, it was it uh, you know so you it's good to have that data uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't let the, I don't let the medium go off by herself. Also, because if if she starts getting into something that might be intelligent, and it starts to stress her, you have to understand, you have to understand and, and look at what your medium is doing. And if she's under stress, you want to pull her uh, at, to let her calm down and recenter herself, and see if she wants to continue. Because uh, you know, some of that, some of those energies are really strong. 
you know, and uh, it, it, I've never been with a medium that has ever been hurt by any of the energies because I mean they're just energies, but um, but uh, their uh, emotions, you know, it stirs up emotions that will bother them that way physically. And I've, I've never had a medium hurt. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not trying to uh, discredit what you were saying, and I'm I'm not trying to uh, cast any aspersions on you, but. No, that's fine. You, you do have to kind of trust them and, and their ability and, and, and kind of let them know their own limits because it's, it's, it's hard for you being an outside person and, and not having their gift to know exactly when those situations do get out of control. Like for ex- well, and, 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 just, and to uh, answer that, I have a medium that I've been using for 12 years. So she's the only person I bring out. So you're in tune with. So I know I know who I know who she is. I know what she's capable of. I know her tells, you know, and uh, you know, and she she know she and I work well together. She knows I want names, dates, places, and events. I don't want to say, well, I got a B a B uh, a B word. Is there a B word? I don't want to hear that stuff. Right. I want you know if you if you could pull it up, that's great. If you can't, that's fine too. But let's not let's not just. Uh, it's a C word. It's uh, yeah, okay. I don't. I don't want that stuff. That doesn't mean that that might not be um, data, but it's not data that you can research. Right. You want something a little so bit you more. Put, you could put that up to the side and say, okay, she got this, some of this reading over here. So that might be, you know, level B or level C research stuff. But you want to go for the stuff that's. Oh, it was Bob Thomas, uh, eighteen twenty-three. You know, okay. Let's see where you know. Let's, let's see where we can go with that. Which I th- I think that you know if you stay out of the way that stuff will come. But the only reason I mention that is because one of my usual co-hosts, Stephanie Burke, is a psychic medium, and if I ever tried to uh, you know if I ever tried to guard over her like that, she'd she'd kick my ass because when we go when we are on an investigation, she's there to look out for me. <laughs> she's the one that comes yeah. warning to me, you know, come to me to give me warning, saying you better stop doing what you're doing. Trust me, I know better than you do. And I'm like, okay, yep, all right, fine. And then I usually don't listen anyway. But she, you know, she has my my best interests at heart, and just oh, and, and, I'm too and, stubborn you know, to and, listen. Yeah, and, and the medium that I use, I mean, she she has her my best, she has her best interest in, at heart too for me as well, and we, and we're constantly talking back and forth. You know, I'll say, oh, "Are you okay? Um, you know, what's what? Can you get more? Uh, can you drill more into what you're seeing here or you're experiencing here? You know, we talk back and forth. It's not just I'm not like looming over her. Uh, I don't do that. Uh, you know, I, I, I do. I do frustrate her sometimes because she'll ask me uh, questions for for clarification, and I and I want her to pull it. And, and it's not because I'm trying to uh, be difficult. It's just that if she pulls it, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not giving her the answer. And there, there, you can't really question how did she how did she get the information? Did you ask her an open ended question or a yes or no question? You know, no, she's pulling the information and it's documented. I'm going to ask you a question and it's, it's a bit sure. of a loaded question, but feel free to, uh, sure. you know, don't hold back at all. And okay. that question is, uh, as somebody who has studied this phenomena, as somebody who has put in the time to become a parapsychologist and, mm-hmm. and I know, you know, working with Lloyd Auerbach, I know how he feels about this situation because I've heard him talk about it for years. Uh, right. Are these armchair, you know, weekend warrior, paranormal investigators, are they hurting? Are they doing more damage with what they're doing than good with the uh, the approach that they're taking? Well, to answer that question, I mean, I, I can't say that they're all 
uh, hurting things because I don't know all the different levels and knowledge levels of, of who's going out there. Right. But for the most part, you know, the folks that don't, don't have any background, at least to know what, know what they're doing, what the history is. I mean, cause I'm a firm believer and, you know, you study the past so you can move things forward. So you got to know the history. So, you know, the person that doesn't want to put the time in to, you know, at least understand, you know, the forefathers and, and why we do things the way we do and, you know, and, and, and look, you know, and, and take, take the, uh, take the initiative to go look at, you know, the, uh, the God helmet. What did it do? What is it? How did it help us? Looking at the Dr. Stevenson, uh, about, um, you know, children and past lives, you know, and, and all this stuff. So, I mean, you, you know, you have to, you have to, uh, educate yourself to know because it's, there's so many different levels of stuff. Because I, I, so, you know, so the answer to your question is, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I couldn't give you a percentage. I know, for, I, I know the ones that I've dealt with, uh, you know, and I, and it's not that they're going out and doing it to be, um, uh, vindictive or, right, or try no, to right. mess people over. I mean, they have good intentions and in heart. It's just they don't have the, the background. Right. And, 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 and I'm not trying to disparage anybody by saying that they're, you know, they're going out there and, and making it about themselves. But I mean, a lot yeah. of them do. We do know that's the case. Although there are like that. Right. Exactly. But the way I look at it is like this. Uh, if, if, if the first dentist that you ever go to as a kid is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, just a mean person that just wants to rip every tooth out of your mouth with a pair of pliers, then you're going to forever have a bad taste in your mouth, no pun intended, about a dentist. So the same thing can happen with a paranormal researcher. If the wrong person is the one that you deal with, it could cast dispersions uh, toward how you feel about every other one. I agree. I agree. So that's that's the, the, the problem that people don't understand is that when you are going out there and doing this, you can say how much you want that you're representing yourself and you're representing your group, uh, but sadly you are actually, I mean, not sadly if you're doing things right, but you are speaking for an entire uh, community of people that you can just as easily screw them over without any meaning to just by not being as professional as you can be. Well, yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, the public um, doesn't have the knowledge level as a researcher does. So they go by perception and they figure, you know, the last team that came out there, you know, uh, botched things. Then they're going to figure that everybody, you know, they might figure that everybody they talk to doesn't know what's going on. And that's not the case. Is there? Although I will say, I will say this, that, you know, uh, make sure that you, uh, when you bring a team out, um, Research them, you know, find out, you know, find out how long they've been around. See who, see who is in the team. Uh, you know, uh, you know, call them and interview them if you want to, because they're coming in to deal with your home and your family. You know, just don't, you know, pick it up because you, you found them on the net and you call the first, uh, folks to come out. You know, interview them. I mean, know who you're dealing with. It's, it's very telling that there has been, uh, for a long time now, over a decade, at least that I'm aware of, there's been attempts to try to standardize investigations, to try to come up with an, an operations manual for investigations of, of how it should be done. And I can't think of too many other fields of interest where people haven't been able to get on at least some kind of a, a, a same page. I mean, uh, you know, every, every backyard mechanic is going to have a different way of getting 
a job done. But in the end, they're all essentially doing the same thing and using the same tools. Uh, so I don't understand why with the paranormal, people haven't kind of just naturally gravitated toward uh, some form of investigation. Now, of course, you want to be able to deviate from that for experimentation's sake because we there is no constant in this activity. But at least having uh, some semblance of of a, a a unilateral and uniform approach. Yeah, at least a, uh, a common ground. Right. And it seems yeah, uh, it seems know, like you know some people are going into this from uh, a scientific or pseudoscientific perspective. Some people are going in there just based on their gut. Uh, other people are like, well, I'm you know I'm a medium and I'm I'm going in there to move spirits on to the other side. And there's just there's no standardization at all. And and I think that having that lack of standardization is what's helped us have increased activity and an increased awareness for activity. But at the same time, it's it's never going to be something that we can utilize as uh as as proof to a skeptic you know um lloyd and myself and a few other folks were uh trying to get something together uh and, and try to do just that and uh one thing that i have noticed uh when we were contacting teams to try to place them on uh, to place them in within the group so we could have you know uh teams in different states so so people could either go to them or uh, you know, for knowledge or bring them out uh, to work with them. Uh, you know, it, it just seems like, as you stated, you know, everybody's got a different way of doing things. Uh, when you try to standardize things, you know, um, then you get it's it's always an argument with folks. It's always an argument. Uh, you know, uh, like you know, for instance, my thing is I don't like K two meters. I think they're trash. I use Alpha Labs. You know, they've been around a lot longer and they're and they're they give a better reading. Uh, they're they're more standardized. Uh, but you know, that's my personal opinion, you know? Um, but if you've got somebody going into a place with a K2 meter, that's just basically a, uh, an on and off and just lights. You don't, you don't really know exactly, uh, what your levels are. You don't know what's really keying it off. You have lights and, uh, that you try to use it for communication. Uh, it, it's not really a communication tool, you know? Um, it, it just, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, but, well, but you know, I mean, it can. I mean, it, it can work for communication if if there's something there, and you're saying, uh, you know, and I, I don't have any financial stake in the K two. I have a couple of them, and if I'm on an investigation, I usually hand them off to somebody else to use because I have, you know, no real use for it either. But if if something can make it fluctuate, it still can be communication. Yeah, but I mean, but exactly how exactly. Um how um, sensitive is that communication? Like I could put uh, I could put uh, a, a trifield natural down, and and uh, I mean, and this thing is is uh, is so is so sensitive that it'll it'll take it, it'll catch lightning strikes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you have it set down, and and I'll interview somebody, and I'll ask him key I'll ask him key words um, that might have something to do with ha what happened in the area, and if I if I if I get an answer from them, I, I see it. I see it go. I could tell you that you know it, what level it went to. You can't tell that with a K two. Yeah, right. I mean, you, got, I mean, you, it, you go. Yeah, you go. You know, you go um, uh, right. Uh, what is it? Go all the way over to red, and it's yes, and then yellow is no, or however you work it. But I mean, that's it's just not it, to me. It's just it's just not. Uh, um, it's 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 not it's not uh, not enough. Uh, Information right. Well, I mean, yeah, sure. For terms of data logging and for actually, you know, keeping uh, a, a hardcore, uh, you know, 
report of what's going on, yeah, a tri-field mm-hmm. is naturally going to be better. But for, you know, just anecdotally and in the course of an investigation, you know, trying to find out if there's something there, uh, again, I would never show somebody K2 hits and say, hey, this is proof that you have a ghost. But it's certainly a, an okay indicator uh, that there could be activity going on. And see, and that's the key that you just said. People use it for proof of ghosts. You know right. what you're doing. Most folks that will go out there with that K2, they see it on TV and they figure, okay, it, you know, that's what it is. It's a ghost finder. And you and I both know that there's no such thing as a ghost finder. Right. You know, well, except, uh, except know, the ghost radar doing app. The ghost radar app is measuring foolproof. the environment around us with environmental tools. Yes. And for the event around, it, it's a, the, you're getting the, uh, around the event. You're not fine. You're not in the event because we don't have anything that will measure that. My, my, my joke didn't land there because I was trying to talk over you there. I was, I was saying oh, that the, the ghost radar is foolproof. That works 100% of the time because it's every time oh. I turn it on, there's ghosts. But I was being oh, facetious. Yeah. Please don't anybody listening to this think that I was serious <laughs> about that. I was totally kidding. Uh, well, but I guess though, maybe we have a different perspective of, and again, you know, you're going into somebody's home and you're dealing with them and, and trying to help them understand what's going on. Usually I, when I'm leaving, I'm not, I'm not picking on you or anything and I'm not, no, no, I'm this not, is... I, I, I have nothing negative about it. I'm just, you know, we're talking, you know, uh, what our thoughts are. Right. No, this is just talking shop. I love this. Uh, yeah. but this, and this is the kind of conversations I like to have with people, but, uh, you know, obviously I'm in a different perspective because I'm usually going out to, you know, maybe like an event or something where it's a different mm-hmm. mindset. It's certainly not scientific by any stretch of the imagination, but I look well, at see, in that situation. I can, I can probably see that happening because it's easy. You could tell, tell them kind of what's going on. And, you know, a lot of the folks that you're dealing with, you know, most of, most of them are probably there to have fun and they're not going to, they're not going to uh, drill into it. They just say, okay, it's done this and it, this is pro- you know possible over here. But you're using equipment. That. You're using equipment to try to get a a, yeah. a a baseline and then to get fluctuations and and be able mm-hmm. to kind of catalog and, and all of that information. I look yeah. at it like this. I want to use equipment as a way to as we were talking about before like when you put people into a hypnotic state to try to get them mm-hmm into the mindset to kind of get those get them up into those beta waves. So I use the equipment mm-hmm. to try to make them be more accepting of the fact that the phenomena is happening around them. And I understand that none of that stuff is going to actually show them that it really is. But if uh, if the K2 meter lights up and people are like, okay, wait a minute, now I think there's something around here, then their perspective changes, their, their yeah, outlook so changes. Now, they, now they're looking for, okay, what fired it off? And and also they're saying they're suddenly become more accepting of the fact that something's around them. Mm-hmm. So I think you know that's I don't really want to use equipment to try to prove or disprove anything. I just kind of want to use it to get people to be accepting of it. I can understand that. I can understand that. But then again, I'm not. I don't have to you know kind of come up with a final report at the end of the night or the end of the investigation, however long it may go on. Uh, I don't have to kind of present that to somebody at the end of it. I can just leave at the end of the night saying, "Hey, did everybody have a good time?" And that's all I have to worry about. So I'm not. I'm not beholden to, uh, you know, somebody that let me come into their house and actually reached out to me and asked me for help. Oh, of course. I mean, it's two. It's two separate things. And, and again, I would expect cookies if that was the case. <laughs> well, well, I will ask you this though, uh, Peter. In all the investigations that you have done, uh, okay. if you had to put—and and again, I know it's kind of hard to kind of put abstract numbers on this—but if you had to kind of 
guesstimate, what percentage would you say turns out to actually be something that you would consider paranormal phenomena and how much of it is just uh, – and again, it's hard to judge in, in one night or one investigation, but how much of it would you say is actual phenomena and is that phenomena on the increase in recent years? Uh, phenomenon is on the increase over the years. And as we, we talked, uh, you know, it's a lot of the stress levels and things like that have, uh, you know, have gotten a lot higher as, uh, times progressed. So, I mean, I, I, taking that into consideration, yeah, I could see how, um, you know, poltergeist activity could probably pick up a little bit just because of what it is. Um, now, as far as what I've done, you know, it's, it, you know, a lot, a lot of what I see is, is, is explainable. Okay. I would say probably, if we're talking numbers, I'd say probably 80 to 90% is explainable somehow. Uh, you know, it's whether it's, uh, an issue within the family unit, uh, whether it's structural of the home, if it's a medical condition, uh, you know, if it's, uh, somebody faking it. And I've had that happen a few times myself. Uh, because of, uh, you know, they're either wanting, uh, attention or just trying to see if they can weird out their parents. You know, I've had that happen, you know, it, it, so, you know, um, but I, it, it's, yeah, I mean, I would say probably, I'd say probably about 10%, maybe, you know, 10%, probably that might be something. If somebody, uh, came, it, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I would say if somebody came to you and said, uh, you know, the inverse. Maybe they said to you, you know, 80% of the time, 90% of the time, I, I investigate, I have something paranormal that I, I can't explain. Would you question their outlook, question their methodology or? Yes, or, I would. Okay. Just because but not it's. In atta- not in an attacking way. Right, I no. Mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. But I would, I would ask them what their, what their methodology is and if, uh, if it would be possible if I could, uh, you know, maybe observe uh, during one of their uh, one of their things, and I'm not trying to, and I'm not saying that to try to be, uh, you know, try to grade them or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just want to try to understand what other folks are seeing um, and and uh, what we're what we're dealing with. And I and I would always try to help. I, I don't I don't I don't think that I'm about above anybody. I I don't. But uh, I've always been the type of person that I like I like to help and I like to teach. So if I could be in a, a, a situation to help teach, or um, you know, if we can, uh, you know, maybe I might be doing something wrong. I mean, who knows? You know, I, I'm open to that. We're all human. Uh, so a, a good exchanging of ideas is always great if you can get that to happen. A lot, a lot of folks don't like to do that, and that's what I've noticed about. Um there's there's definitely been kind of a a come around a bit in the paranormal world of people saying uh you know people being more willing to admit that they they don't know and and more willing to admit that there may be something beyond just their own experiences for a long time uh everybody was trying to run around acting like they knew it all and we're seeing a lot more of a i mean an i mean even Lloyd's guilty of that to some degree of saying that you know he was you know, he, I've, I've, I've seen him and I've heard him say, like, he's one of the authorities on this stuff and that, uh, you know, he, he knows what's going on when other people don't. And I think even that mindset is, is, uh, a little bit hurtful to advancing these questions because you have to be willing to say, and you know him better than I do, obviously. I'm just saying what I've heard in interviews, but you have to be willing to say, maybe one of these newcomers 
ends up finding something that in my 30, 40 years of doing this, I never encountered or, or finds a technique that I never thought of using and, and changes and the I, game. And I'm, I'm always been open to that. Always. Uh, you know, like I said, we're all people. Uh, we don't, we all don't have the answers. I can't speak for Lloyd, uh, you know, on what he's stating, but sure. I do know that his, uh, uh, his, his level of knowledge is, is, uh, is very, is very expansive. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't know exactly what he would be referring to. Well, I mean, that was um, what I thought. And then I talked to some folks uh, a couple of years ago. I, I, I made a few friends who actually work with him very frequently. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I said, well, you know, I've always kind of thought that he was kind of standoffish on stuff because, uh, you know, I hear him in these interviews and he, and he, and it seems like he's not willing to accept new ideas. And they're like, I don't know what shows you're listening to, but when we're out there with him, it's completely the opposite of that. He's fascinated by anything that comes in. You know, any, any new idea, any new approach, because he's been doing it for so long that you you want to try new things. You know, every time I've ever been around him, we've discussed and uh, we've discussed cases or just whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's I've, I've always gotten that uh, that from him too. I mean, he's always wanting always wanting to learn. He's you know, when you stop learning is when you stop when you is when you stop getting uh, uh, answers. That being so, said, know, though, I, I, not to cut you off, but that being said, the one thing that drives me crazy is. When you are dealing with a bunch of, uh, you know, obviously you're dealing with working with teams, so it's a little bit easier for mm-hmm. you. But when you do like a public event ghost hunt type thing, and uh, oh, yeah. and, and if there's 40 people there and, and, and 25 of them are purportedly psychic, you know, I kind of have to just tell the group, yeah. hey, just turn it off for tonight because you're just going to start pulling people in all different kinds of directions that they don't need to go into. Uh, and there has been more of a proliferation of that, I would say, for sure. More, um, more people with abilities, we'll say. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. And what what frustrates me is that, um, you know, when you see folks that uh, are so readily open to stating that they're a medium or a psychic, and that's the people I watch out for. Usually, uh, anytime I've dealt with a medium, and I don't know your friends, so please don't think I'm judging, I'm not. Um, but anytime I've ever dealt with anybody, um, as far as a medium or a psychic, they're very, they're, they're very towards themselves. I mean, they, they know what they can do. They know if they know that people know, uh, to contact them if that's what they need. And they're, they're very low key. Uh, they're not the ones that, uh, you know, are, are screaming it from the rooftops. Those are the folks I worry about. That's, uh, that's something that, uh, actually her and I talk about quite a bit. That if, uh, somebody comes up to you and says the first thing that they do is, uh, you know, hi, I'm so and so and I'm, I'm a psychic medium. That uh, yeah, like like Teresa Caputo, uh, the the New Jersey psychic, or whatever right, right. she is. So, hi, hi, I'm a psychic. Do you do you have a brother in the store? I mean, I know I know a lot of that's for TV too, uh, you know. But I've heard folks say that uh, that have gone out to see her, um, you know, when they're talking to her, she's always making sure that you know that she's psychic. That's one of the things that drives me crazy is that people think – I mean, I don't know Teresa Caputo. I, I've, I've never even watched Long No, Island and I don't either. But, I'm just going by what I've seen. But it drives me crazy when people think that what they see on TV is, like, accurately – maybe she does go up to people on the street and just start saying that stuff. But, uh, you know, chances are that it's just something that they're doing Oh, yeah. Like the, I said, that's TV. Camera. I mean, you know, drama sells soap, so I understand that. The, uh, the, the other thing that uh, always weirds me out is when – you know, people want to come up to me and the first thing that they want to tell me about is like, like a paranormal, uh, fishing story, you know, like the first, mm-hmm. well, let me tell you about what happened to me. Like, I don't even know you. And now you want to start telling me about your most intense paranormal experience. Like I, I, oh, yeah. I, I don't even know if I can trust you yet. So the fish stories yeah. and the introducing yourself as a psychic automatically, 
just put put that aside, people. We do have a question, uh, caller on the line, 508-996-0500, if you'd like to talk with our guest, Peter Haviland, and now uh, we can take this call right now. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. How are you all doing tonight? We are doing well. Doing great. How are you, sir? I'm blessed, man. I uh, just had a quick question. So um, I was in the uh, in the chat room talking with some people. Uh, I brought a point up that I'd like to get both of your opinions on. Um, sure. First of all, I'm, I've been an experiencer since I was little. And when okay. I say experiencer, I'm talking about just high strangeness in general. Um, okay. What do y'all think? And I'd like to hear this opinion from both of you. Okay. About the connect the connect the connection between the UFO phenomenon and close encounters and the uh, paranormal phenomenon such as uh, poltergeist and what and whatnot. Yeah, as far as something like that, I, I haven't come across anything uh, that has crossed over like that. Uh, but I could I could I could see how uh, it might come across like that because from what I, I've heard, uh, as far as uh, like. Uh, uh, with with uh, aliens or aliens uh, doing that, you know, sometimes they they will speak through telepathy and things like that, which can affect your psychic self. So I can kind of see how that might 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 do it. Does that make sense? Right. And and that's, I, that's kind of what I what's happened to me in in the past. Uh, I've had close encounter experiences since I was real little, and okay. sometimes not all every time, but sometimes I would have. Uh, like a, for example, a poltergeist outbreak, like either before mm-hmm. or after the close encounter experience. And it's just, it, it, I've and heard that too. My rec- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, I've heard that as well. Yeah, because like, after looking at my experiences retrospectively, I've, doing, after doing a lot of research, um, I've researched with a, a parapsychologist, uh, Dr. Barry Taff. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Barry's good. Barry's he, brought, good he, he brought a good point up in his book, uh, Aliens Above, Ghosts Below. Uh, I, I highly okay. recommend that book to anybody who's interested in real parapsychology. Uh, but that uh, some of the information he discussed in that book seemed to back up my uh, my feelings and my theory. Okay. My my approach. Well, you know, it's Sorry. what I would probably do if you were if you were here uh, in Houston, and if you were having something like that, what I would probably do is I would probably put you under, and we look at uh, the the day or the time that you're having those issues, and uh, and we'd explore it to see exactly what you're what's what's going on, what are, what's happening, uh, and what are you seeing, what is you know things like that. And uh, that would probably also get you to understand a little bit more of uh, of what's going on, being able to exp- to explore that. That's that, that's something I've considered. Um, I've had I've filled out reports with MUFON. I live in Georgia, and mm-hmm. um, okay, there's been several experiences that I've had, both with and without the uh, poltergeist activity, where I would literally have lose okay. hours of time, and. I have I've considered going under a uh, regression, but at the same time, I don't really okay. know if, if I really want to know what happened. Right. Well, that would have to be something that you would want to uh, you'd, you'd want to get you know get right with yourself because uh, it's you know it is uh, it is very traumatic. Uh, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I usually hand over the UFO stuff to uh, Daryl Sims. He goes by the alien hunter. Um, and he's also a hypnotherapist. So, uh, he has worked with a lot of abduction, uh, scenarios. 
And, uh, and yeah, I've heard him talk about uh, screen memories and things like that and, and getting through the screen memory to understand exactly what's been happening. And it, it has been very, very, a lot of them have been very, very scary for the folks that experience it. I, I agree. Um, I've actually got evidence. I've got a scoop mark on my wrist and it happened oh, wow. when I was 12 years old. I woke up one night and I was, I was levitating about three or four feet above my bed. And then I oh, felt wow. the next thing I knew I, I fell and I hit my bed really hard and I, and I blacked out again. And the next morning I had this, this sore on my, uh, my right wrist and it was a, mm-hmm. it's what I, it looks just like other pictures of scoop marks that I've seen. Wow. Well, I do. Can I, you feel anything underneath the skin? Is it does it move around? I mean, what is it like? Um, I don't feel anything underneath it, but it, okay. I know I wasn't born with it. And I know I didn't get an injury there, and it did happen okay. after a paranormal um, event, as I described. Okay. And I, I don't like to okay. jump to conclusions, but I know for a fact I've had. I have I've had many many close encounter experiences, including one when I was in the military, and I, it just oh, seems wow. to follow okay. me around. Well, I don't no. I don't mean to cut the call short, but we are running out of time. We're we're up against the end of the show. I, I thank you very much for the call. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. All right, and uh, and Peter, I, I really uh, apologize that we are running short on time, but why don't you let everybody know how they can reach out to you and how they can sign okay. you online. Uh, yes, they can uh, get a hold of me uh, through uh, redokhypnosis.com and lsspi.org. All right. And uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us. This was a great conversation. I could keep it going for a, a far longer, but we're we're up against the end of the show, so hopefully you'll come back and join us again sometime. I would, I would love to. Let's do it again. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. That is Peter James Havlin. Again, his website, redoakhypnosis.com. Want to let everybody know really quickly about Parabox Monthly. You can get silk-screened soft-style tees with puzzles built right in. You can get three-month plan. You can get a month-to-month plan, a six-month plan. Contract, no contract, I'm sorry. Free to cancel anytime. Give it a try. Paraboxmonthly.com. And uh, we are out of time. We'll be back next week with an all-new show. We have a very interesting one coming up next week. It's uh, It may be one that you want to uh, keep the lights on for. So stay tuned for more information coming forward this week on our social media. Until next week, stay spooktacular.